What's up, everybody? Hope you're having a wicked one wherever you are in the world today. Um, today is another solo show from me. Um, a couple of episodes ago, I did an episode focused entirely on um, the gear that I used for the upcoming album that I'm going to be releasing, the Divine King Project. And we talked about the, well, my process of choosing the correct bass for the album, which was this whole... Well, it was a a whole deep dive I went down into that, you know, how I was thinking about which was the perfect bass, why I actually ended up with a bass, going with the bass that was more playable than another bass. And even though the other bass tonally might have been a better fit for the uh, for the album, I still went with the, the bass that was more playable. Um, not to say that either bass was better. They're just different sounds tonally. Um, and also why I didn't end up using a fretless, because that was certainly the, the idea for a while. So if you do want to check out that podcast episode just go back to you know you'll be able to find it a couple of episodes before this one and it's called what i learned from recording my first album gear all about the gear um and in this episode i'm going to be talking about what i learned from recording my first album and we're going to be talking specifically all about preparation and regrets um, but before i get into it i do want to give you a quick shout and let you know that i did mention this in the, the previous podcast episode where i focused on the album as well that we've actually created an entire ebook um, for the album with all of the tablature and notation in there for every single track on the entire album, which is nine tracks in total, solos, everything, the full gubbins. And we're actually giving it away for free. We're going to be giving it away to you guys for free. Um, and to get that, you're going to have to keep keep listening to the ebook. I mean, keep, keep listening to the ebook. Keep listening to the podcast. Or if you are uh, signed up to our email list over at scottsbasslessons.com, um, you're going to be hearing about it over there. So if you're a member of SBL, don't worry about it. You're gonna you're gonna be hearing about it. How to get your hands on it. So yeah. And if you're wondering why we're giving it away, because I want everybody to be trying to play these tunes. I want people to be jumping in, listening to the album, but not only listening listening to the album i want them to be jumping in and then trying to uh trying to get this stuff under their fingers as well because i think that it's uh it was just an absolute blast to 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 perform and play for myself but also with these lines you'll be able to get a under you'll be able to get your you know feet under the table in terms of my vocabulary what do, what am i thinking what am i playing um over specific chord types and all of that good stuff and i really learned a lot from transcribing other players and getting a sense of the language that they were using specifically over different chords like when there's a major chord what language do they use when there's a minor chord what language are they using like how do they play over these chords and by making all of this available you'll be able to get um, a sense of how i'm thinking about these different chords and what i'm using so Look out for the free ebook that we've created for the album. And if you want to take one step further, once you've get, got the free ebook, you're also going to get the ability to um, sign up to, for the SBL membership as well. We've, got, we've put a special offer together for you guys if you haven't already joined. If you're already a member, don't worry, we're going to take care of you guys. Um, but if you haven't, there'll be an awesome special offer for you to join. And check it out what I've done. Um, is created an entire course 
for this album. So when you sign up, you're going to get nine workshops, one workshop for each of the tracks on the album. And a workshop is around 40 minutes to 60 minutes long, where I'm going to jump in and teach you each specific track on the album. So you've got the free ebook, right? You've got the tab and notation. But if you want me to show you how to play this stuff, the fingering and exactly what I was thinking when I was creating these solos um, from a harmonic perspective, the scales I was using, the chord tones I was using, technically how to approach this stuff, um, you're going to want to sign up to the membership because I've created a course to show you and talk you through step by step how to do this stuff. So again, look out for the free ebook. I'm going to be keeping you guys in the loop how to get that over the next few weeks. Uh, the albums drop in first week of October. And then when you grab that free ebook, you are going to have a really cool opportunity to sign up to the membership uh, and get that course as well that I've created. And again, if you are a member, you guys are already taken care of. You'll have instant access to that course. Uh, so do not sweat it. Okay, now jumping in, preparation. Um, and I do believe that this was key to recording this album, well, for me specifically. Uh, I'm not sure about the other guys. I know that Simon prepped a lot. Um, I know that he was getting his, uh, he was definitely spending the hour, doing the hours in the shed. But for me, um, it was a really key thing because of the type of material that it was. And there was lots of unison lines. There was... Uh, melodies I had to play, there were solos I had to do. I mean, like I had to, I had to prep. Um, and, and for me, when you listen to the album, I'm hoping that that is a reflection of the preparation that I put into this. Um, and I started way out. Um, I actually started like honestly six to eight weeks out, um, because I needed to, uh, I needed to do that to give myself the ability to, um, to record all of this stuff because it was hairy, not record all of this stuff, sorry, sorry pre perform all of this stuff because it was hairy. It was really challenging stuff. So I actually started way out, like six to eight weeks out. Um, and I got really, really organized about it as well. I, um, I printed all of the materials out. Um, so I had them, so I wasn't just reading them from, you know, an iPad or on my desktop. I wanted to actually hold the, you know, the, the, the pad. I wanted to hold the pieces, hold the paper, be able to look at the paper and make notes and stuff like that. So I printed it all out. And then on my computer, on my desktop, I actually created a file that had all of the play along tracks in there as well. There were MIDI play along tracks. Like if you've, if you, uh, if you're an SBL member, when you, when we release the album, you're going to get actually play along tracks to like the real play along tracks. So what we've done is we've recorded the album and then I've removed all of the bass. So you can actually be me in the band and you can play with Gergo and with Dave Binney and with all of these amazing musicians, you can be me in the band. So, but I wasn't practicing with those. I was practicing with um, like MIDI mock-ups. Well, they're actually better than MIDI mock-ups because Simon had already, like he played sort of, He'd used, um, I think he would use like Superior Drummer or something like that, which is like a drum, uh, a drum platform, like MIDI platform. He'd use that, and he played in various bits. So it was, I was hearing what the album was going to sound like. I just wasn't playing with real musicians. All that to say is that I was, I'd created a folder. He had all of the play along tracks, the MIDI play along tracks on there. So I had all of the stuff printed off. I had the MIDI play along tracks. For me, I'm kind of like super uh, anal like that. I've got like a lot of. 
Um, I like to get everything lined up. The preparation is a big thing for me. So I prepped kind of like my workspace as it was, you know, had my play along tracks, play along MIDI tracks. And I had all of my, um, the notation as well, all of the lead sheets that I needed up ahead of time. And then I also, once I'd got all of that together, um, I started scheduling this stuff in my calendar. Anybody knows me, if Ian Allison was listening to this, he'd be laughing because he knows that I'm a complete nerd when it comes to my calendar. I kind of live my life off of my calendar, based out my calendar. And my methodology is, and this is, just to put it out there, it depends on who you are as a person. You don't need to take on board my specific processes that I use, you can come up with your own processes. And it's really, it's, it depends on what type of person you are. Now I'm 45 and I'm pretty well adjusted to who I am as a, as a person. Right. And I'm actually very, um, I find it easy to be distracted. I find it very easy for my mind to wander into different you know, things that it shouldn't be wandering to. Like, it's easy for me to be distracted and pulled off course, which is why, for me specifically, it's very important to actually create a, a, a like a really strict calendar um, that shows me what I'm doing. So, uh, for for myself, I had um, like time blocked out every single day that I was going to be spending on this stuff, and. And if you're thinking about like what in terms of time, how I did it, it was basically around one hour a day for around four days a week. I actually set out with the intention of doing five days a week, uh, one hour, one hour a day. But I've got kids, I've got a wife, I've got, you know, a family to look after and I need to spend time with them as well. And and five days a week just proved to be um, too difficult for me to to slot into that you know, that reality. So I took it down to four days a week and that worked great. And it was one hour a day for four days a week. Now, and I was really, really um, strict with that. Like I didn't, it didn't move. I did the work (laughs) just to put put it out there. I did the work. Um, Yeah. And, and then as I actually came up to the you know, the, the deadline when it was, when it was, I was going to be recording this stuff and getting in the studio with the band that did ratchet up to, I would say around 90 minutes to two hours a day about for about four days a week. Um, and that when it ratcheted up to about that 90 minutes to two hours a day, I would say that that would be the last two weeks. So I'd say, you know, like I was practicing about six to eight weeks ahead of time. And that last two weeks, I ratcheted that up to 90 minutes to two hours a day. Um, And I was having to be really careful as well because I have a neurological movement disorder called focal dystonia, which affects, well, it's neurological, it affects my brain and it's why I wear gloves. And it's very easy for me to over-practice and for that to have a devastating effect on on my playing so what i had to do is the the trick for me or the the challenge was to balance the amount of practice i was doing to give me the ability so i so i had the prep done ahead of time that i needed to but i wasn't over practicing because that would blow my hands up and then i would have had to cancel the entire thing and that was definitely a 
something I had to take into consideration. It was something there in the background all of the time. And in fact, when you see the videos, when we release them um, onto YouTube, because we've, we've recorded the entire album and we've filmed the entire um, album as well. All of the recordings were filmed. All of the, yeah, all of the recordings were filmed. You'll see that I'm wearing gloves on both of my hands. The reason I'm wearing gloves on both, and you might not have seen that before, some of you, if you've been following me for a while, you'll, you'll have seen that. But many of you won't have seen me wearing gloves on both hands. And the reason I had to wear gloves on both hands is that the focal dystonia had, had really started creeping into my my right hand as well. Most of the time, it's 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 in the left hand. Um, but this time, it, it had really started um, kicking in in the right hand as well. So that was a challenge. So by the time I got to the studio, I was having to wear two like gloves on both hands um and and yeah that was a challenge because i'm not i'm not really used to that um because normally i play with just one glove on my left hand um because i'm a i'm able to you know navigate focal dystonia a little better than i had i had been during the preparation for this so but again it was it was something i had to do um if if i was doing it all again what would i have done probably Maybe started, I don't know. I, I was going to say start 10 weeks out, maybe, in the prep. It depends on the music as well. Some I've recorded albums before and done no prep. And that's and because it's been more loose, um, more, yeah, just looser, less kind of orchestrated, less unison lines, less solo sections, less, you know, all of that stuff. So I've, I've done and I've gone in and done albums with, with zero prep, and that's fine. But with this specific one, I had to do it because it was like it was it was tough stuff and there was a lot of stuff I had to get under my fingers. So I don't think in terms of any, I don't think I'd change anything actually. I think that maybe I just next time I do it, if it's a similar kind of uh, approach to the, to the compositional part of it. So there's lots of units and lines. I'll probably just have to put in the work and then I'll have to wear gloves on both hands. If my symptoms start kicking in, but all that to say, it was actually fine. Um, I didn't, uh, I didn't blow up my hands or anything like that, even though I do believe I was on the edge of doing it. Um, but yeah, so again, just a quick recap. I was I practiced like six to eight weeks out. That's when I started practicing one hour a day for four days a week. And then in the last two weeks, that was taken up to around 90 minutes to two hours a day. And in general, I was doing them in, in just a one-off block. But in that last two weeks, as my hands were kind of like, potentially sort of like on meltdown mode, you know, in terms of my focal dystonia, what I had to do on specific days, if that was proven to be a problem, I'd separate it out. So I do an hour and then I'll be able to do 30 minutes later in the day or an hour later in the day. So I'd separate them out because otherwise I would have been blowing up my hands and would have had to cancel the entire thing, which would have been not great. Anyway. So, um, next bit, when I was, uh, when I was practicing this stuff, it's really important to mention that I was recording a lot of it as well. Um, when I was playing melodies, I was recording the melodies I was playing. So I could listen back um, and I could get a sense of, well, whether I liked it or not. I mean, like, am I actually doing a great job of representing that melody? Do I need to tweak anything about it? Like all of that. I'm a real fan of recording myself. And I think that you should be doing the same as well, because the first time you heard yourself speak, you were like, whoa, that doesn't sound like me. Well, same deal here. First time you hear yourself playing bass on, on a recording is, is the same experience. So if you've got a, 
um, an, an iPhone or a smartphone, whatever, and most of us will ha- will have, I just filmed myself so I could listen to how I was sounding, but also watch myself from a technique perspective and think, like, do I need to tweak anything? Is there anything else I need to change or anything like that? So, yeah, so I was recording um, every single time I did a... Um, a, a practice session I'd definitely record something or film it in my case I'd film it on my phone um, the audio I didn't care about it was just straight to the, you know just straight out of the camera straight out of the phone didn't care about that I just needed to get a um, an idea of what I sounded like it didn't need to be studio quality or anything like that um, and then also it gave me the ability and I talked about in that previous podcast episode as well I did gave me the ability to listen to the different bases that I was that I was thinking about using because I really wanted to hear what they sounded like in the mix um, as I was playing along with those uh, MIDI tracks so um, that was vital for me actually um, and as I, as I mentioned earlier I did uh, talk about this in a previous episode that I actually ended up playing um doing all of the album on my f bass b n five which is the yellow banana bass um by the way, I am giving that bass away um yes, you heard correctly if you missed that, I talked about it extensively in the last um the last last podcast episode. Uh, we're doing a giveaway as I release this album. We're also going to be doing a giveaway alongside it. Um, we're partnering with Pencils of Promise. We've raised hundreds of thousand dollars with them in the past. Um, so we thought it would be a cool opportunity to do the same uh, and use that bit, that base as sort of like the figurehead of the giveaway. You know, as the cool, the, the, the you know, the the first prize, as it were, is going to be that base because I want people to be really excited about the giveaway. It's completely free to enter. Um, so you can absolutely do that. But I wanted to, people to be just like blown away. And I just thought, well, what's the what's the best way of doing that? And it's obviously to take that base, which is so important to me, um, that I recorded my first album on, um, which is sort of like my first sort of like project, the Divine King project, um, and, and use that base as the giveaway. So... Yeah, it's ah. Uh, I don't want to give it away, but I think it's 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 awesome to do as well because I think it's for a great cause, and uh, yeah. So look out for that. That's going to be uh, something you're going to be wanting to keep keeping a lookout for, um, and also giving away um, four more of my personal bases as well. Um, again, because I think it's for an amazing cause. We've we've uh, you know we've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last three or four years and um, built multiple schools with pencils i promise so we're you know we're going to do the same we're going to keep doing it um and thank you for helping us do it as well and if you want to join just keep a lookout it's completely free to join the giveaway um you'll be getting something in your inbox about it very soon so make sure that you signed up on the email list over at scottsbasslessons.com to do that Oh, I'm getting notifications on my Mac here. Um, now, moving on. So, yes, I recorded it, um, and it g- gave myself the ability to listen back to what I was doing um, and also listen back to the basses. Now, it's also funny, I, I guess it's sort of like a weird thing that happened um, that I wasn't expecting. I expected to actually practice the weekend leading up to uh, the to getting in the studio. We were getting the first day as we got into the studio was the Monday, and I was expecting, I'd blocked it out on the calendar to practice right over Saturday and Sunday. Um, like, you know, an hour or two per day leading up to that session. And I I did Friday, I, or maybe, yeah, no, I practiced on Friday. And then something really strange happened. Um, it's like some weird inner voice that I haven't experienced before was just like, yeah, that's it. No more practice. 
And that was on the Friday. So what I expected to happen was to be shedding like crazy over the weekend, over the Saturday and Sunday. But this inner voice just said no. And I think it said no for two different reasons. I think it said no because I really had put the preparation in. And I don't think I would have gained anything from practicing over the weekend. Don't think anything would have been gained. And the only thing actually that would have been gained that takes it takes me on to my second point of why I think that inner voice sort of like bubbled up and said no, um, is that it, the second thing would be it, it could have put me under even more pressure in terms of my focal dystonia, um, kicking in and making it an impossibility to actually you know, not do the album and then having to cancel and stuff like that, which would have been insanely stressful and a terrible experience to to have to put on people, you know, and yeah, all of that. So I think that, yeah, this inner voice just sort of like, you know, bubbled up and said, no, no more practice. And it was awesome, actually. I felt really stoked that I'd put the practice in ahead of time. I'd done the preparation and that two the two days before i didn't have to like cram anything in i was done by the way if anybody can hear a bird tweeting i think there's a bird nesting in the wall and um it stopped it now but it was tweeting away yeah it's just in the wall behind the uh behind the plasterboard but uh yeah because i live in the i live in in the woods in the woods out here there's lots of birds um doing their thing but yes, yeah, so it was great not to be able to uh, not have to have to do that. Um, and in terms of doing anything differently as well, in terms of the preparation, I don't think so. I think that I, uh, I think that I handled it well, um, especially in terms of having to navigate around focal dystonia. I think maybe an interesting question would be if I didn't have focal dystonia, what would I have done? And I think the easy answer and the truth would be, I would have actually just played a hell of a lot more. I would have done more. I would have done four days a week, but maybe like 90 minutes to two hours a day throughout sort of like maybe like four to six weeks of that. I couldn't do that because of my focal dystonia. But I think if I, um, if I could have, I would have, because I would have just loved to roll into that studio and just, just had it like, and I did have it nailed down. Right. But there was, you know, I think that I am that type of individual that likes to put in the work and likes to practice a lot. So yeah, it would have been, it would have been fun to be able to put in more work. Um, anyway, moving on. So that was all to do with the preparation. Now moving on to regrets. What did I regret about it? Um, and actually, I didn't regret any, like hardly anything about it, actually. Like anything. Um, I really had to think about when I was had this idea of doing this podcast about talking about the preparation and the regrets after going through it. Um, it was really a struggle for me to come up with any regrets at all. But I do have one i do have one um, and it was actually to to do with after the recording okay so i'd done all the preparation great then we got in the studio that went great um my only regret was actually what happened after and it was all to do with my knowledge of uh being in the studio like actually you know mixing and engineering um and i am really weak in that area like really 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 weak when it comes to anything to do with mixing and engineering it's just not 
anything that I've had to do in my career, it's all been focused on live, live stuff. You know, that when I was working as a musician, 99% of the stuff that I was doing, that I was doing was live, um, and was either playing bass or playing bass and being a musical director, which was nothing to do with recording or anything like that. So, um, it was all focused on live stuff. So I'm really weak in the studio when it comes to mixing and engineering. Um, and once we'd recorded it, I felt like I was like, it w- what I would have loved to have, you know, next time round. Okay. Let me just back up and give you sort of like what happened in the next time round. So what happened is we recorded it all. And then the mixing and engineering was completely handled by somebody else, which was this awesome guy called George who, was freaking awesome. And I wouldn't have, you know, got involved really when it comes to sort of like mixing and engineering the, the, although I did to a certain extent, you know, Hey, you know, can let's bring up this, like both Simon and I did do that. We went down to the studio and we spent, um, a full day down there mixing and, um, and engineering the, 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 the album after we'd recorded it. um, and and I, so I was involved in that side, but when it, I'd, I would have loved to actually got my bass tracks and just sat there and nerded out on, you know, on the specific EQing and mix of the, the bass for a little longer than I did and, and probably done it solo on my own and then shot that back over to George and said, hey, you know, I've got the I've got the bass bass sound sounding you know like like i'm sort of like like i'm hearing in my head just drop it into the tracks and that isn't what happened we went to the studio and we did it in the room so yeah and we did you know we sat there we eq'd it and i was um more than an integral part of that i was like tweak it here tweak it there tweak it everywhere you know like do that thing i was there in the studio and we did that as when we mixed it on that day um but i would have loved to spend some time on my own with with the the bass track and you know fucked around with the audio some more you know the the eqing and stuff like that compression and just had i felt like i was somebody else was driving the car in terms of the sound of the bass, even though I'd been there on the day to mix it, I still felt like, ah, oh, I would have loved to have just sat with that myself and had the, the skill set and the knowledge to be able to sort of like have a deeper conversation with George in terms of why, what, what I was really looking for. So, and I talked about this, um, on the pod, the last pod I did about this in terms of, that's the tone and the sound. I think I was happy, like sort of like 70 to 80% happy. That was nothing to do with George at all. Um, he did an absolute stellar job. Um, it was really, it was really to do with my ability to, um, my, my ability in the studio after the fact, after we recorded it, sitting there and learning how to, learning how to, uh, really EQ a bass and, do all of that that magic um and and create what i'm hearing in my head on the actual on the actual recording so that was my and it wasn't yeah i guess it was a regret but no it wasn't actually a regret was it thinking about it it's just it like next time around i think that ultimately what i'm going to need to do is get my shit together in the studio specifically with my sound and and next time around when I'm prepping for something, be recording it 
Yeah, like be recording it, messing around with the sort of like the like tonally, what's it sound like when I when I've recorded it um, ahead of time, so I can really, from a conceptual standpoint, understand what I want it to sound like on the recording, and then help the engineer birth that right, get it to the finish line. Um, and I felt like I was my involvement, as I was said, was like I, I was there. You know, we we mixed it all together, uh, and I was certainly involved in it. Um, but I feel like I just, my, my, my knowledge in that area just isn't up to scratch and I need to up level in that area so I can be more useful and, and I'm not more useful, but I can have, uh, be more hands on when it comes to my specific bass tone in the mix. So yeah. Um, and that was it really. That was my only regret about it. Um, but I think that bearing that in mind, I'm I'm still absolutely over the moon with the sort of like the end product and where we got where we got to it. Um yeah, over the moon. And um and I guess I guess that's it for this episode, right? And before you go anywhere, um remember that we're dropping this first week of October and we're releasing a free ebook. So the free ebook's gonna be coming along with it, but you're gonna need to get onto the email list over at scottsbasedlessons.com to, to to be able to get that obviously. So go get on the email list um at scottsbasedlessons.com. Uh, it's like sign up for the free toolkit there or sign up for one of the free courses. There's a bunch of free options. So sign up over there to get the free ebook. So when we release the album, you can, you'll, we'll, you know, we'll link you to it by email. Um, if you're already a member, obviously you don't need to do that. You'll already be hooked up. And when you get the free ebook, if you're not a member, remember, if you're not a member, remember, remember you're a womble. Uh, if you're not a member, just take into consideration signing up for the membership because I've also created an entire um, course focused on teaching you how to play this stuff, how to get it into your, under your fingers, what I was thinking when I was soloing, the scales I was using, the arpeggios I was using. All of that good stuff is in there. Again, like each, I've, I've created, there's nine workshops, a workshop for each specific track on the album. There's nine tracks, so there's nine workshops. And each one's like 40 minutes to, to 60 minutes long. So it's a real deep dive into it. And I also talk about tonally what I'm doing on the bass as well, like what I was doing, what pickups I'm using, what I'm doing with the tone control. All of that stuff is in that course. So you're definitely going to want to check it out. If you're already a member, obviously, you guys are taken care of. If you're not a member, you maybe you want to get signed up before ahead of time, right? And you can do You can just take a free trial as well. Just go to scottspacelessons.com and you can take a 14-day free trial just to see if it's for you um, and also remember you're a womble sorry there's a ah, man like you'll be thinking what the heck's he talking about there was a there was a tv show back in the day in the uk called the wombles and the theme tune was remember you're a womble i'm sure a lot of you will have heard that in your your childhood as well uh, anyway but what i wanted to say is remember that i'm also doing a massive giveaway as well um, where i'm giving away five of my personal bases uh, we're partnering with pencils of promise to um, to raise more money for children that don't have access to school um, which is a travesty um, there's millions of children around the world that don't even have a freaking school to go to which in, is absolutely mind-blowing to me in this day and age don't think that we should be there um, so we're doing this giveaway with Pencils of Promise. It's completely free to enter. Again, make sure you're on the email list over at scottsbasedlessons.com. Um, and and the, the 
the first prize is going to be the bass I used to record this album, which is the banana bass, my yellow F bass BN5, which is the, my favorite bass that I've, that I've owned in maybe the actually, I was going to say the last decade, maybe my favorite bass I've ever owned, actually. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm giving away my favorite bass. But yeah, it's and hopefully you get, you're like, what? And, and that is exactly what I want to do. I want you to, I want you to, I want this, this uh, giveaway to drive you to come and uh, sign up for the giveaway and get involved. Again, it's completely free to enter. And if you're on the email list over at scottsbasslessons.com, you will find out exactly how to do it in the next few weeks. Anyway, with that said, as always, take it easy and I'll see you in the shed. <laughs>